Welcome to In Our Experience, a podcast exploring the many ways of living well with Nourish Yoga Training. I'm your host, Harriet, yoga teacher and founder of Nourish. Today, I'm joined by James Thurwell. James is the founder of Animal Tea, a UK specialty tea company that uses 100% of their net profit to fund wildlife conservation. James is also a fellow boat dweller and a former Chinese medicine practitioner. We talked about social business, the importance of being grounded in your values and what to do when the shit hits the fan. I had a great time talking with James and I'm really excited to hear what you think. So do pop us a message or an email. You can find how to contact us in the show notes. Right. Here's my chat with James. Hi, James. Hello. Welcome to In Our Experience. It's lovely to have you here. Thank you for having me. Well, we're going to get started today, as we always do, with the same question that I ask every guest, which is what's nourishing you? And this can be anything. It can be big, small, silly, very serious, if you like. And I will help you out by sharing my nourishing thing first, which is that one of the things I'm focusing on this year is pacing myself with work and not doing too much too Mm. quickly. And one of the ways that that's practically coming out for me is really prioritizing movement. And yesterday I went for my first run of the year in the glorious, crisp winter sunshine, and I really enjoyed it. Where did you go? I went up the river towards Godstow Lock and then back. Like big spaciousness, river, sky. It was glorious. I loved it. Swamp. It was it was muddy, but I quite enjoy the uh, the mud of it. I have like trail running shoes, mm-hmm. and because I have them and they're just permanently filthy, I purposefully try and get as muddy as possible on the run, which is part of it. Yeah, makes yeah. sense. I mean, I'm a boater. I'm always covered in like yeah, I understand <laughs> a layer of grime at any one point. <laughs> Uh, so what about you? What's nourishing you? We've scrubbed up quite nicely, haven't Thank we? Thank you, yes. Celebrated. Um, what is nourishing me? Well, I, I've gone I've gone completely anti-January. In, so I've gone for uh, one of the things that I love is cooking. And I kind of lost my, so I lost my joy of cooking, but I'd lost um, putting the time in and thinking about cooking. And so I've been cooking a lot more and drinking a lot more but better so like less and better um so i am not your veganuary dry january person and particularly because i work in hospitality i want to help out hospitality as much as possible by going to the pub on a tuesday so i'm drinking nice wine i'm cooking good food and that is yeah soul nourishment for me for sure. So it's like a wet carnivorous January. Uh, not like it's not like heavy on the meat, but it's like, yeah, I haven't gone. The, there's no vegan block in my fridge at the moment. So, well, I think that's quite sensible. I've been doing a damp January. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. which means that I've been trying to stop drinking by myself. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, towards the end of last year, I'm not going to lie, like, you know, a bottle of wine to myself on a on a, on a Friday night was maybe not a rare occurrence. Um, so uh, yeah, trying to drink just with other people. Okay. Well, I figure going to the pub on a Tuesday at the moment is drinking on your own <laughs> because there's nobody there. Well, so, well, that's true. Yeah, yeah, apart from me. Wow. If anybody's bored on a Tuesday yeah, night, yeah. Come on out. just come and find me yeah. in Jericho. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is nourishing. And I can vouch for your, your cooking is very delicious. Thank you. Yeah. Likewise. Wow. 
That was great. Yeah. That was very nourishing. Mm. Um, so tell me a little bit about how you would describe what you do. What do you do? How would you describe it? Well, um, I drink a lot of tea. That's uh, often how my son describes it because he says, what else do you do anything other than drink tea? And I do tend to sit around and drink a lot of tea. So I, I run a, a tea company called Animal Tea and um, the tea company that I run is basically we give all of the money to that we make to wildlife conservation. And so I sell tea, I drink tea, and I also have a, another kind of well, a day job um, alongside that. Uh, so this is my passion project, really. And um, my day job also involves selling tea. So I'm a tea sommelier. I advise uh, Michelin star restaurants and five star hotels on their tea menus and things like that. So my background is tea, which is really relevant to this conversation in terms of um, animal tea. I bring a lot of that into it. Um, so my background and my passion is for tea. And my, yeah, what I'm doing at the moment is is starting a company or have a company that sells tea and gives the money to conservation. Incredible. Thank you. Amazing. And like, where where did that come from? Well, my so before all of this started, I, and kind of how we met actually originally was that I used to be, I used to live in Japan and I lived in Japan for a couple of years, came back from Japan and became interested in East Asian philosophy and uh, medicine. And then I became a Chinese medicine practitioner. So I was an acupuncturist in Oxford. I had a clinic in Oxford for 10, 12 years. Um, and then our paths crossed with acupuncture and Qigong. And uh, I remember doing some, we did some retreats together with mm -hmm. um, Nourish um, when I was teaching Qigong, some hilarious Qigong sessions, I remember, <laughs> in the countryside. Lots of sort of bottom slapping and things. I just learned <laughs> that technique and everybody... To, um, everybody what, what was it to? Was it in. to hot cross buns? Yeah, it was hot cross buns. Yeah, yeah. that's the rhythm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so I did... Uh, that's where I'm, that was my background. And then about six years ago, I decided to change my career uh, and moved partly because in... Uh, nobody ever told me this, but with... Uh, if you work in a clinic, then you basically spend all of your time in one room. And I like getting out and seeing people and talking to different people. So I love the work in clinic, but I wanted to complete change. So I ended up working in tea, um, which is my other passion and ended up working for uh, working as a tea sommelier. Um, I actually started a tea company that just sold biodynamic tea. And so we used to uh, use tea in tea ceremonies and rituals and help people with health and tea and so on, mm. which was brilliant business which made no money so we wound that up but those were like a, it was like a successful failure um and then after that uh yeah we've come to animal tea and i think what happened is probably like most people been locked down i had to think about where i was going and what i wanted to be doing for the next when i popped out the other side mm. um and actually the trigger for it was my son so my son is five now um and we were having, uh, we were reading a book about animals, which is pretty much all kids' books. They've always got animals in. And he was, I think he was four at the time, and he looked at me and he said, uh, oh, are there any of these left? And I thought, oh shit, like if this is what you're thinking about, then now, then I need to do something about it. And I had this idea for a long time, and I thought if I don't do it now, then I'm never gonna do it. Mm. Um, and so that was where really where it came from. Um, and ever since I started it, it's one of those things that I think sometimes timing is everything. Mm. And 
I had put it on the back burner and put it off and put it off. And then that just presented me with a perfect opportunity. I was like, let's just do it. Um, and I kind of wish I'd done it earlier. Mm. I think everybody feels that when they make a big change in their life. Um, but for me, yeah, it, uh, everything since we started it has been brilliant. Wow. Yeah. I'm a big fan of what you do. And I mean, I've, I've been following it closely since the beginning. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, it's nice to see the way that, you know, the way that it's growing and the way that it's sort of evolving. And where 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 do you want to take it next? What are your plans for for this year? Animal? Yeah. Yeah, well, so it's evolving. It is evolving. So I think probably like most businesses, it, it zigzagged a little bit the first year. We're trying to find our feet and find mm. our voice. Um, and I think for this year... The one thing that we're really, I'm really keen to do is focus on education because that's my background and my interest. Mm. And I think uh, it's interesting, particularly in this country, that a lot of people know a lot about coffee, are like really interested in coffee. And coffee has done a great job of educating people about um, coffee and kind of developing connoisseurship in coffee. I mm. think. And so that's why people have no qualms about paying six pound for a pour over or whatever it might be like mm. you know it's like because yeah. they know what they're getting right yeah and we have come to associate tea in this country mostly as a, as a pretty cheap commodity mm. um and you know you go to supermarkets and sold as a loss leader and you know if you go into a supermarket and buy 100 tea bags for 50p you've got to wonder why they're 50p or how did they get to that point um and so i think it's about I'm not on a mission or a crusade to kind of um, talk about the kind of social impact, the social areas of tea and kind of the environmental impacts. I think that's just implicit in what we do. We just buy organic tea or like pesticide-free tea, mm. clean tea. That's just a, 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 that's where it's a sort of a basic rule for us. Uh, but what I'm interested in is connoisseurship. So basically taking people from having no understanding of what tea is and thinking it's just builder's tea to teaching them the difference between green tea and oolong tea and poor tea about uh you know why you could buy you could buy less and buy better i think that's one of our key values mm -hmm. uh, which is the same as everything i think everybody's got something they they love and they're into and then as you start to learn more about it then you develop an understanding and an appreciation for why you would spend more money or more time or you know what what's value about it valuable about it for you i think mm. um so in terms of 2022 it's building on that and then beyond that uh, we'll be bringing out chocolate this year. Oh, yes, uh, chocolate's coming. And then, I mean, I've just, I've just kind of dream uh, big. Talked coffee, but we're going all the things that I like. So I like tea, but we're going to do chocolate, and then there'll be coffee, and then there'll be wine, um, and probably stop there. Uh, we'll all of the fermented things. All the fermented things that I like to eat <laughs> and drink. <laughs> um, yeah, it's purely selfish. Well, I just want to just sit and drink tea and coffee and wine have a good time well i think i think to an extent there is like there is a selfishness around starting your own business that i think sometimes isn't talked about so much like one of the reasons that i you know founded nourish and do things the way i do is because that's what i wanted to spend my time doing and like that's mm. also what i wanted to see happening in the world right so there is like a a, like a, a kernel of selfishness at the center of that because I'm sort of like creating the reality that like I want to exist in mm. and you're just doing that but with more delicious things yeah I agree and I think uh I think that's quite liberating isn't it when you 
decide what it is that you want to do and just go for it. And you, yeah, people people respond to that in a very different way. And you end up, or I've ended up over the last 12 months, developing a community of people around me and around the business who are just very clear about what it is they want to do, the impact they want to have. And they're not, um, and they're not doing it with a hair shirt on, you know, they're having mm. fun, they're loving what they do. And that's really inspiring to be around. So I'm happy to be part of that community. And it grows like there's more and more people seeing that, that as, you know, they want to get involved in it, or they want to support it, or they want to back those kind of companies. So yeah, I, I see that too. Yeah, well, and I guess also, I think people have a very good radar more and more people have a very good radar for when things are coming from an authentic place and from like that like juicy place of like somebody being really excited about an idea or about their business and you know when that's lacking it's really clear and people just like you know don't stick with you or don't stick with the business yeah i agree and i think with us um that was why i chose um, the the business model that we have, which is, is based on a on a, a pure what would be called a kind of a pure social business model. So you have lots of different business models around social entrepreneurship and different community interest companies and so on. And I chose to set ours up as a a for profit business that just happens to give all of its money away. Mm. Um, and for me, there's a kind of a um, moral is not the right word. There's a kind of an ethical clarity about that or for a customer or for a supporter of the business they can see that that's what's going on mm. and there's a transparency about that so it's a bit different to let's say you go to pizza express or something and you know they give 10 pence or one percent of their profit or the cost of a pizza or whatever it is away they're very explicit about what it is that they're doing so you can see what that is and i think then people can make a decision like that's that's great People, some people give a small amount or, you know, their, their business will be geared differently. Our business is just geared towards giving all of the money away. And the way that we split that down, because it's important to, for people to understand, is that we, we have our net profit for the year. And then half of that goes to all of the projects that we support. And then the other half comes back in to support the growth of the business for the next year. Um, so it's very easy for people to understand. Um, and it's really gratifying. You know, I get to, get to write checks I was thinking it's like being a captain of industry. It must be great, like standing there writing all your checks to all your employees and going, oh, this is great. Like I'm changing people's lives. That must be really nice. And I have the same feeling like when we send money to the charities, it's great. It's really nice to be able to write checks to charities or we don't write checks anymore. We just, you know, we just give money online. But it's great to, to know that that's what's happening. Um, so that's the best part of the business. There's all kinds of other things. But yeah, I love and that. And what about, what about the the charities that you're supporting. Can you tell us a little bit about them? So yeah, there's there's a number of them. So we kind of work in two ways. One of them we has we have we work with a, a Pangolin charity in Central Africa, Central African Republic. We work with a, a primate sanctuary in uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo, the DRC. Uh, we work with the Lion uh, a Reserve in in uh, northern Mozambique and there are kind of what you might call kind of anchor projects that we've we have relationships with and then we um, uh, aim to give them money um, mm. so we correspond with them quite a lot uh, and then we also do kind of ad hoc donations for different things so we have something called the ARC fund which is a an emergency fund for wildlife emergencies and so when for example right at the beginning of last year there was a cold snap in off the gulf of mexico in texas and there were lots of sea turtles which were at risk of being um 
basically frozen um, mm. in the, or, you know, things were too cold for them. And so they were taken aboard. These, these great pictures of these huge kind of frigates, these military frigates being uh, loaded up with sea turtles and they were taken on land and kind of warmed up until the cold snap went and the, and the winter storms went away and they put them back. So it's not a very sustainable um, route to conservation, right? There's bigger things at, at play there. Um, but when those emergencies happen, people just need money. Like you can't have long-term thinking around that. You just need money and need to get shit done. Um, and so that was what was happened. And actually Elon Musk, um, think what you like about Elon Musk and we could, I don't want to go there, but, uh, Tesla sent down, um, a, a big generator for that, that turtle rescue, um, because they basically ran out of power. So the power was taken down in the storm and they sent down, I don't know what it was. I just imagine this is huge thing sparking with blue, you know, like blue flames <laughs> or whatever, but they sent one of those down and, uh, and that helped the turtles out. So those, that, that, that's the way that we, that we work. And we've got more, um, more partnerships happening this year, probably over the next couple of months or so, there'll be another couple of announcements. So yeah, there's lots mm. going on. Amazing. We'll make sure that we pop a link to those charities in the show notes so yeah, people can check you. them out directly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, one thing I would say is if you've got time, so the Luero Primate Sanctuary is in the DRC and they were recently, um, they've been featured in lots of different documentaries recently. And they actually, uh, there was a photographer that won uh, wildlife photographer of the year so there's about if you if you get the chance to go to the natural history museum or in Banbury actually the Banbury's got a traveling exhibition of wildlife mm. photographer of the year you can go and see the work that they do as part of the uh, photojournalism category in that uh, competition well that's how I mean I you know as you know have experience working you know with other you know with charities and sort of in this social business space and I think it's you know it's such a wonderful way to yeah, it's such a wonderful way to, you know, impact change and sort of, you know, offer offer things on on two different levels, right? Because you you get to do the thing that you really want to do, which is drink tea, mm. sell tea, talk about tea. And then at the same time, you get to work with organizations that you're clearly really passionate about and, you know, you get to bring those organizations to your consumers. Um in a way that is just sort of quite seamless in a mm. sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think that's, that's one of the joys of it. One of the, one of the things I was thinking about before is the kind of the values of the business. And one of them is community. Mm. And that means lots of different things to different people. But for us, it means this kind of, this group of people from tea farmers who have a vested interest in looking after wildlife and protecting biodiversity in their tea gardens through to consumers through to um, conservation artists so we um, we work with and kind of platform and and sometimes uh, commission art from conservation artists that goes in with our tea so that when we sell teas people can get a, a piece of artwork with it as well um, and then to the projects themselves and there's always crossover there for people to to explore um, and you quite often find that within our customer base there'll be people that have volunteered at these places or they'll be they'll mm. have some kind of connection um, and because there's this sort of unified mission everybody wants to every everybody wants it to succeed and everybody's very on board with anything that you propose mm. and you know there's just an there's a huge amount of goodwill when you think about most companies that work so hard to spin their PR around you know greenwashing and mm. you know, their, their um, CSR initiatives and things like that 
I can kind of understand somehow how that happens. You know, different companies are geared differently. And that's, again, I have no comment on that here. You know, we're just doing the thing that we're doing. But one of the things that I'm really, that we have in the bank, we have a lot of money in the bank, but we have a ton of goodwill. Mm. Um, and you can't buy that. That's just inherent in how we work. And it's also trust, I think, because we're transparent in the way that we do things. Uh, we have a lot of trust mm. and we would abuse that at our peril. Um, and we, you know, we work as hard as we can to make sure that we keep our community on side. And so far, touch words, everybody's, you know, been really supportive of what we do. I'm really, I'm really interested and, and glad that you brought up the idea of values, because I think it's one of the things that often people really miss in business and I think from from my perspective as a yoga teacher like there are there are lots of yoga teachers out there and they might just be teaching like one class a week or whatever like and they may not think of themselves as super prof professional but one of the things that I think is really really important however you do business like if you are putting something out into the world it's so important that you spend time thinking about the values that drive your business and what you do because if you've got clarity around those things around those ideas then you're you're always going to be operating from a place of I guess of sort of safety and connection and um you know sometimes I see businesses making decisions and I'm like why the fuck have you done mm, that yeah, yeah. um and I think if you spend time clarifying your values but then also sort of run you know, you run the decisions that you make th across them, mm. then I don't know, to, to me, that's, that's really, that's a really exciting place. And I think a really like sustainable place to do business from as well. I like, uh, yeah, I, I, I I'm going to come back. There's a question I wanted to ask you about it, but um, so I think about that as a North star. I like about mm. this sort of idea. If you've got like a North star of the business or like a, Sometimes in the military, they call it, a, I'm not a military man, but um, in the military, they have this sort of idea of the commander's intent. So you can, if you have a particular objective, like everybody, if everybody's aware of the objective, mm. then it doesn't really matter what you do as long as it's moving towards that objective, mm. then you know, whatever happens, you can still have some kind of sight of it. So in the battlefield, if, if everything all goes wrong, then you know eventually you have to get to this hill or you have to achieve this mission or whatever. And I think... Um, with the North Star for us is I'd kind of boiled it down to this idea of, okay, if we make a decision, is this going to impact wildlife? Is this going to impact the planet mm. in a positive way or a, or a negative way? Mm. And if it's going to be negative, then we just don't do it. And I don't have a massive staff, so I don't have to kind of, you know, we don't have big meetings about <laughs> this. They're quite short. But I, as things grow... And, you know, I'm sure you've seen this. You've got a, a cohort of students and teachers and things, and they understand, you know, the culture of your organization and mm. the values. And that's what people are attracted to, I think, with mm. you and the way that you the way that you operate. People kind of, there's a clarity there, which I think people really respond to in the messy world of yoga. Um, and, I th yeah, it's really powerful. And one thing for me, so this is a question I was going to ask you. I have, I can go first if you want. It's, but I wonder, like, if there's when the shit hits the fan, yeah, and you're all over the place and you've kind of lost it. I don't know if that ever happens to you, but it happens to me quite a lot. What's your kind of practice or your ritual or your, I don't know, the thing that you do that just gets you back there every time, like just brings you back to your 
center? That's a great question. I think a few things. Mm. One is stepping away from whatever it is, like, Cre like creating space around the issue or around the problem, around the person, around the conversation. So I purposefully sort of like take myself away or take myself out. So changing location, like changing my physical space, right. I think is a big, is, is something that I do. Um, and then like once I've allowed time to marinate, in the situation, then I have conversations with people. So one of the things that I really know about myself is that I, I think by talking mm -hmm. and I think like I, so many of my ideas are responsive and they happen in dialogue. So I have people in my life that um, I can go to and be like, the shit hath hitteth the fan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and they'll be like, cool, what's happening? Like, what are we going to do about it? Um, you know, you're one of those people, mm. you know, Theo and Simran are also those people for mm. me. Um, and, you know, having people that you know and that you trust and that know you and know your business and then you're able to, like, talk to them about it, um, I find really helpful. And then I think the sort of last stage of that is like once I've created physical space, I've like checked in with my my people, then it's about probably coming back into some form of practice. So, you know, allowing myself to be still with whatever's going on. So whether that's a sitting meditation or um, asana practice or some other sort of quiet contemplative space that sort of like completes the cycle for mm. me. Yeah, That's there's well also there's it. also alliteration in there, which is really satisfying to me. Physical space, yeah. people, practice. Oh. Yeah, my father's daughter. He'll be so proud. All the acronyms. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Well, I it was much simpler than that, and and probably quite obvious. I drink tea, and, uh, <laughs> of and, course, yeah. And but there's ways of drinking tea, right? So you know, you can drink tea for effect, or you can drink tea as a practice. Is. Mm -hmm. And um, the thing that originally drew me to tea beyond just, I'm not the kind of person that's deeply interested in um, dissecting the kind of flavor profile of things. For example, I'm actually really interested in how things make you feel. Mm. And so the tea company that I ran before was called Elixir, Elixir Living Tea. You can still find it out there somewhere, sort of orphaned in the internet. Um, but it's really focused on uh, how tea makes you feel and different teas anything anything you put in your mouth coffee wine i don't know um anything that's kind of um of good quality has a particular kind of it has an impact on you mm. and i think the best example is like drinking this isn't everyone will get this right yeah. so if some people drink beer it makes them feel sleepy if you drink gin it makes you feel weepy mm. potentially you know if you drink champagne it makes you feel fizzy you know, it's, just, it's like an up drink. Right? Champagne is not my drink. Yeah. So you like, know. and like, <laughs> you know, so everybody knows what their drink is. Yeah. And then at a certain point in life, you work out what your drink is and you're like, okay, if I want to go, you know, get up, then this is the one. And, uh, and tea on a much more subtle level has all of those kind of things uh, built into it. And so tea has always been used throughout China and throughout um, Asia generally as an aid to meditation. Mm. And so 
the practice of drinking tea, uh, of preparing tea, is something that people, particularly in Japan, spend years, lifetimes dedicated to uh, that practice. Uh, with the tea ceremony and the kind of rituals around that. So if you go and drink tea at a tea ceremony in Japan, it lasts half a day or a day. Mm. You only drink two bowls of tea, um, but there's understanding of, or there's appreciation for flowers of the season, there's poetry, there's uh, looking at calligraphy, there's having certain set conversations. It's quite formulaic, but it's like anything else. I think if there are rules within a practice, as you learn those rules, then you can express yourself and creativity kind of comes from that. You kind of need to know mm. the rules first and then you can express yourself through it. And I'm sure it's the same with aspects of practicing yoga. Um, so with tea, sitting down and drinking tea and preparing it in a way which is yeah, conscious, mindful, mm. quiet, there's a, there's a sort of a touchstone for me there where all I have to do is just sit down, put the kettle on. I have a kettle on the fire on the stove, so it doesn't have any electricity, which sort of adds to it at one level. Um, and then I prepare some of my favorite tea and I just spend half an hour drinking that tea and everything just arises from that. Mm. It's just like, it's like this kind of bedrock of creativity and stillness and all those things mixed together. And I think for me, a lot of clarity comes when I sit. Um, and so it is, and again, I think it's useful to think about for meditation because some, I'm sure you teach this, but I'm not a meditation teacher, but I know there's lots and lots of doorways to meditation mm. um, and there are lots of schools of meditation, but sometimes meditation is sound or it is, you know, painting or it's Zen circles or it's tea or whatever. Mm. And those doorways, I think, are really interesting to explore. Um, so that is the main one for me and kind of from every, so I just have to stop if it's all gone to shit, I just stop, put the kettle on, sit down, make tea, and then and then kind of everything else flows from there, really. Mm. That is a good one. Mm. And I mean the the whole like kettle on the kettle on the stove thing, mm. you know, there's a there's a like a slowness to it, which sounds really nice. Mm. Is really nice. Well the so in the classical texts of Chinese tea, uh, there's something called the Cha Ching, which is like the book of tea or the kind of the ode to tea. Uh, they talk about when you're listening to uh, the tea boiling or the water, the kettle boiling with the water, um, there's a, uh, they call it the wind sawing in the pines, like there's a wind whistling in the pines at the mm. point where you start to, it starts to whistle. Mm. In. And then you don't, because you don't have any temperature gauges back when these books were written, uh, they look at the size of the bubbles. So there's the, the fish eye size and the prawn eye size and the kind of tiny little fizzy bubbles. They all have different temperatures and those are appropriate for making certain teas at certain times and so on. So mm. it's like super nerdy and super tech, but in a very lyrical way. I mean, it just sounds very, um, I don't know, like there's a romanticism to it, which is mm. really charming. Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite tea? <sighs> Different teas for different times, but if, if you had to... You can the, only drink one tea for yeah, the rest, for the rest of, your of your life. life uh, it will be, uh, in Japanese, it's called Kabuse Sencha, which means shaded sencha. And it is, so most people have heard of matcha. Mm. So you have green tea, 
and then matcha are made slightly different, or the, the, the way they're grown is slightly different. So matcha is shaded for about three to four weeks. And what happens is they cover the plants and so they they have to work harder to photosynthesize. So they produce more chlorophyll and that, and that means they produce more of something called theanine, which is a relaxant. Um, so you have this nice combination of caffeine and theanine. And cabas essential or shaded essential is somewhere in between. So it's not as powerful and punchy as matcha. It's very smooth. And in the mouth, it feels like it's kind of like brothy. It's really vegetal. It's really kind of creamy and savory. It's like, it's just the most delicious tea. And I think because I used to live in Japan, it also reminds me of that. Mm. Um, and yeah, there's a sort of, there's a nostalgia to it, but it's also a really elegant tea. So if that was the one, yeah, if I had to choose, that's the one. Yeah. That's a nice choice. Mm. Great. Yeah. Well, we are nearing the end of our time here, uh, which it always goes so quickly. It has. It really does. Uh, So where can people find you? Uh, So our website is animalt.com, and that's animal with two L's, as in all profits. Gotcha. Um, And then Instagram, pretty active on there. Uh, Again, it's at our Instagram account is Animal Tea, Facebook Animal Tea. Um, that's all the socials we have. Wonderful. Um, and you can find me physically uh, in Oxford. Um, I spend quite a lot of time at the Jericho Coffee Traders, which is our, uh, there are like sugar daddy, sugar mummy kind of. Um, <laughs> James is, uh, is wearing a Jericho Coffee Traders I am, yeah, if you hat, can't see, I'm repping the merch. Filmed. I'm repping the merch. We love James um, and Lizzie, they're great. And so they are. They they basically have given us some storage space, and so we use their packing, uh, pack house, and things like that to dispatch our orders from there. So you can find me physically there if you want to hunt me down for a cup of tea. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a delight. It has been. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. See you soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to In Our Experience. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review the podcast. We love hearing what you think and it makes a really big difference. In the meantime, until the next episode comes out, why not check us out on our Instagram account at Nourish Yoga Training or pop us an email via our website. See you soon.